0: had the exact same head shape, and then that would just be, well, we'd both be incredibly handsome. <laughs> right now I would look like you. Us. Right, of course. I knew where you were going with that. Well, good morning, church. Good to be in the house of God. Good morning to those online. You're also in the house of God. If you are there and you're gathered in his name, which you are, because you are at church. And his presence is filling your home your car or if you're on a walk and you're listening to this it's just all a little bit different right now but we're still the family of god and jesus very clearly said and he he I, I think we're catching up to why he said this where two or more are gathered in my name i'm right there because he knew there'd be times when there would be only two and he wanted us to be assured of his presence What father would not be with his kids? Good father would not be with his kids when they want to be with him. I got a pile of kids. I'll tell you, I'll take every second they want to be with me. I'll drop whatever I'm doing. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll drive you there. Oh yeah, I'll help you with that. Absolutely. Well, how much better is our dad in heaven than any earthly father? So he loves being with us. So, amen. So, uh, This morning, I'm going to continue a message that I started last week on the goodness of God. This trial that my wife and my family and I are going through is is unrelenting and unmerciful. But because the devil is a jerkwad. He is mean, vindictive, and he wants to hurt. Jesus very clearly said he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But right in the middle of our chaos... The Lord woke me up with a song in my head on His goodness, and it kept going around and around about He is good. And then, uh, and then I sat down to get into the Word, and I was reading on the passage of Moses and God meeting, and Moses, God offered him His blessings, and Moses said, "Not good enough." Check this: God even offered him His presence, and Moses said, "Still not good enough." Isn't that interesting? We usually, our end game is the presence of God. We worship for the presence of God. We want the presence of God. you know Moses actually said that's still not good enough? I want you. <laughs> Come on. Oh, you know God loved that. Hey, did Stephanie say for those of you sitting in the sun, you're welcome to bust a move over to the shade somewhere. Unless you like the sun, you can stay there. You won't disrupt anything. You grab your chair, you move to the shade. Anyway, You've got to know that God loved that. That if you can have my blessings and even my presence. And he said, no, I want you. And God said, all right, I'm going to reveal myself to you. How many of you want God to reveal himself to you? Okay, well, here's the devil's agenda. It's been from the very beginning. Some of this will be repeat from last week, but it's worth re-saying. So I'm not going to try to separate what I said last week and what I'm going to say this week. I'm just going to talk, all right? It's all good, anyway. It's all of the gospel will set you free. From the very beginning, Satan's uh, goal was to separate the first man and woman from God, and he did it through lies, and he's still doing it through lies. Thoughts in your head, things that come out of other people's mouths to you that are not the truth. Through music, through books, through movies, it all has an agenda. It all is communicating a message. And if you're not in the word of God, forget about it. You're not hearing God's voice. You're not hearing his truth. You're being saturated with the voice of the world and Satan who uses human agencies, human vessels, uh, musicians and producers and and, uh, and uh, educators to literally pummel your mind with Uh, worldly viewpoints and philosophies. You gobble it up, gobble it up, gobble it up, gobble it up. You get on TikTok, social media, and it says everybody's pitching their deal. Well, God's pitching his deal too. It's the gospel. It's the Bible app, by the way. It's the gospel. He's pitching his deal too. And so right at the very beginning, God blesses Adam and Eve, creates all creation, and he waits for the best For last. Oh, by the way, ladies, you are the very last. You're the best of the best. (laughs) I got one. Hey, and you know, you know the women are the best because God said, hey, Adam, it's not good that you be alone. Your divine assignment is too big for you. You need someone to help you, someone who's equal to you that will come alongside you and help you with this divine assignment. And so he says, I'll tell you what, let's start over here with the giraffe. And uh, Adam's like, uh... It doesn't move me. There's no chemistry here, you know. Let's try the gorilla. Nah, closer, but nah. You know, we'll try the platypus. He goes through all the animal kingdom. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, God. I don't mean to insult you, but it's just not doing it for me. I don't know why, you know. It's, 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 it's me. It's not you. you, know. And so God puts a, puts a deep sleep on him, and then he creates. takes a rib out of Adam, creates the woman. And then Adam wakes up, and he sees her, and he says, Whoa. Man, that's where a woman came from, see. And he gives them all all the earth. And he says, it's all yours. He says, but not that tree over there. So Satan then comes along and says, did God say, right? Here we're talking about words. Did God say, you cannot eat of all the trees of the garden? What a jerk. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that about him or not, but I just gotta. What a wad. Coming in. And lying. He takes a little yeah, God said this but I'm going to distort it. Did God say you cannot eat of all the trees of the garden? That's the lie the enemy has been selling the human race ever since. If you come to God, you're going to sell out for less. You're going to have less fun, less peace, less purpose, less fulfillment. You'd You'd have a much better life if you disconnect from God and go do your own independent thing. You'll be much happier and they bought the lie. She said, no, he didn't say that we can't eat all trees. He did say we can't eat that tree." And he said, "I'm telling you what, man, if you go taste that, Woo. And God knows you're going to like it a lot, and it's actually to cause you to become a God, which is new age, philosophy, it's Mormonism, that you'll become a God. It's a lie. And they said, "Oh yeah, we'd like to do that." And so they bought the lie. We've been buying his lies ever since. And so, in the midst of the trial that my wife, my family, and I are going through, which is which is really, really, really hard, the Lord wakes me up with a song of His (laughs) goodness. Why do you think He did that? I know you got your masks on, but just shout it out loud. He had to to remind me of the truth. He had to remind me of the truth. Now, I didn't. I didn't feel like I was tempted to say that he wasn't good, but God knows our hearts, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knew I would probably start heading that direction. So he wakes me up in the middle of it with a song of his goodness. I get into my my, uh, my study for the day, my just morning devotional, just open the Bible. I do a Bible bingo sometimes. I just flip it open and I start reading. And if it's like, may leprosy never depart from your household, and may your children be dashed against the rocks, I just turn the page. I keep turning until I find something that I like. That's my version of Bible, bingo. (laughs) And I read down where Moses said, I'm not satisfied with just your blessings or even just your presence. I want you. And God says, all right, I'm going to show you my goodness. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it leapt out of me. Then I got into a daily devotional from another pastor I like. His devotional that day was on his goodness. And I realized God's talking to me. You see, when you're in the middle of trial and suffering and hardship, You will be tempted to question God's goodness. And as soon as you do that, crack. There's a little separation between you and the Father, between you and God. And Satan begins to eject his lies, and that's right. If God was good, if God loved you, if He was all-loving and all-powerful and all-knowing, if He was a good Father, why? Boom, there's the bad word. Why? Why? Why, 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 why would God let this happen? Why would God let them do that to me? Somebody was watching online last week and they were talking to me. They're long distance. And they said, man, that mess is like, so good. And they said, and my, my boyfriend was in the room while I was watching the sermon. And he said, if God's good, then why does he let suffering in the earth? And he left the room mad. And she, and right then I started answering the question. And she goes, come back, come back. He's answering the question right now. He didn't come back. A lot of people don't come back. A lot of people are separated from God right now on the earth because of that one lie. Because of the suffering. What we have to understand, family of God, are a few things. Number one, the earth has fallen. You know that? We live in a broken world. When we're born, we are not born in perfection. We're born in imperfection. We have all sorts of brokenness on the inside of our DNA, inside of our biology, just our physical being. We are born with all sorts of uh, maladies and infirmities and brokenness because the earth has fallen. Romans chapter 8 says that. It It says that when Adam and Eve fell, everything that was under their authority, which was the whole planet, was suppressed. Everything was suppressed. Everything is is uh, fallen. That's why we have the weather uh, disasters. We have. That's why we have uh, all sorts of uh, turmoil on the earth. And then Adam and Eve fell, and we were born after them. So you and I were born with a sin gene, with an aging gene, with a death gene. We were born to die. We were not created to die, but we begin dying as soon as we we're born. That's part of the fall. Our hearts also have fallen and we are selfish and we are protective and we are survivalists. And so, and then we, people hurt us. And so then we hurt people because we were hurt. So hurt people hurt people and it was round and round and round. Why did God allow that person to hurt me like that? Why didn't he protect me? Because I like what Josh said this morning to me on the way down the mountain. God is in control, but he doesn't always take control. Why? Because God gave us free will. We freely chose to reject Him. And now we have free will to do good or evil to one another. And because of our fallen state, we do evil to each other. God has never promised that you and I would not go through trials. But He has promised to go through the trial with us. And if we don't fix our eyes on the shepherd as He walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. You'll get stuck in the valley of the shadow of death, cursing God. Why, why, why are you allow this to happen to me? Why am I in this valley? Why is this going on? Or what's wrong with me? Is my sin Did I, what happened to me? Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe I don't know, you got all these why questions. The much better question than why is what? What do you want me to do? That's an empowerment question. I can't figure this out. What do you want me to do? And not only has the world fallen and human race fallen, you know what else has fallen? Lucifer. An angel named Lucifer who was in heaven, Jesus said when the disciples were sent out in Jesus' name and they cast out devils and they came back and they're like, even the devils do what we say. Why were they shocked? Because they didn't have a seminary degree. They weren't trained. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were blue collar, uneducated men. And Jesus just laid hands on them and said, go get a boys in the name of Jesus, dance the kingdom. They go out, they heal the sick and demons actually do what they say. They were shocked. That's why it's so important for you not to disqualify yourself from operating in the power of God, advancing the kingdom of God, leading people to Christ, casting out devils, healing the sick because you're not Pastor John or because you're not Billy Graham or because you're not Stephen Furtick or because you're not, you know, whoever. Don't do that. Jesus purposely passed up the seminaries. Not that I was with some seminary students last night and they're great men of God and women of God and anointed. But he went down to the shipyards. He went down to the, to the lake and he found these humble, teachable, hungry men and said you want to go for a ride (laughs) (laughs) sounds more fun than what i'm doing after they saw him do a few miracles it was the first disciples the 12 apostles and then we built statues of them so now they're untouchable and unreachable i can never be like the apostle peter Uh uh-huh he denied jesus three times in his darkest hour you can be like him Yeah, He popped off when, when when, they go to the top of the mountain of the transfiguration. There's Jesus, and they go up to the mountain with Jesus. Like, oh, we always go to the mountain with Jesus. Well, I guess we're going to just pray and hear Jesus, Peter, James, John. And all of a sudden, Jesus unzips, gets out of his his, his, his human suit, and he goes, here comes the light of God coming out of Jesus. And they're like, ah. And then God speaks. And then Elisha and Moses show up. Like, wait a minute. What's happening right now? Okay. That's the time to shut up. You don't know what's going on. Just be quiet for a minute. And what's Peter say? I got a good idea. I'm going to make three tents. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And what did God say? Shut up. Peter, just for a minute. See, but we build a statue and we make him this relic. We make him this way far off we disqualify ourselves from being in the game don't do that it's you and I that harass the devil Jesus said when they came back casting out the devil and they were so excited he said I saw Satan fall like heaven like I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven the earth has fallen we have fallen Satan has fallen that's the problem with the earth not God So I want to take us through, uh, well, I'm going to give you a scripture this morning. Then we're going to jump to another scripture. But see, I like when the devil slaps me, I like to slap him back with the gospel. That's why I'm here preaching today. You can't let, you can't let the devil put you on the couch. You can't let the devil put you on the bench. You can't sit on the bench and say, oh, poor me, why, why? And then distance yourself from, your, from God and from your divine calling. Somebody last week was saying, Man, that was so good. Last week I said, You know who was good for? Me. I needed to be, I needed to feel the anointing flowing through me. I needed to encourage the people of God. I needed to slap the devil back with the gospel. I can't just sit soaking sour. I can't. You gotta stay in the game. Amen? Yeah. You gotta stay in the game. You get healed as you go. You don't get healed by just sitting there, whining and wondering and feeling sorry for yourself. You gotta get up and get back in the game. So here's what the gospel says. In the book of John, uh, James, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Don't be deceived. One of Satan's names is a deceiver. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift that's on the planet is from above. Coming down from the Father. Of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is good. Can you say that out loud with all you've got this morning? God is good. Come on, say it again. God God is good. Say it again. Come on. God is good. Say it again. Come on. God is good. See, I like to say it multiple times. I like to say it to the Lord. I like to say it to you. And I like to say it to Satan. When I worship, I don't worship just for God. I also worship for Satan. I want him to watch me worship in the midst of the worst that he sends my way. He's not, he is not going to use my life to mock God. God's going to use my life as a trophy to mock the devil. Come on. Anybody else? You got to stay in the game. The story's not over yet. You don't know how it's going to end up, but I promise you it's going to end up good. The Bible says God even takes the worst of the worst and he turns it for your good. You just got to give him time. You think about Joseph, right? There's Joseph, a little teenage boy. He got, God gives him a dream that, that he's, he's going to be great and all of his brothers and sisters and mom and dad are going to bow down to him. He should have kept the dream to himself. But sometimes when you're young and dumb, you just don't. And so he goes and tells his brothers, Hey, I had a dream. You're all I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, he was he was the second of the youngest of twelve. He says, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in charge. You're all gonna bow down to me. So they beat him up, threw him in a pit, told his dad that he died, ripped apart by a wild beast. He was sold into slavery, and in his accused of rape, thrown into prison. 20 years. Don't you know that when Joseph was in that pit, bleeding, beaten up by his own brothers, left for dead? Don't you know he was asking God why, how? Don't you know he was disillusioned? Not to mention a lot of physical suffering. And then he gets picked up by some uh, tra- a traveling tribe and they sold sold him into slavery. He's a slave. Then he gets accused of rape. Just because she wanted to have sex. And he said, no, I can't do this against God. A righteous man doing the right thing for the conscience of God. And he gets thrown in the prison. Don't you know? He's wondering, what the heck? I've said that to God over the last couple of months. What the heck? Because, you know, it's already in your heart. So it's not like God found out that's how you're feeling when it came out of your mouth. You know, I'm still going to worship you, but I just got to say for a minute, what the heck? He likes that because it's honest. Right. You see, what Joseph didn't know was God had a plan. And the end of the story was... Way beyond what Joseph even imagined. Becoming the second to the most powerful man on the planet. Or David, anointed to be king. Minding his own business. Just worshiping God on the backside of the desert, taking care of his sheep, being faithful. Samuel comes and anoints to be the next king of Israel. He's like, oh, did see that coming. And then he starts to be exalted, captain of Saul's army best captain has ever been everybody's singing his praises yeah I'm digging this and then the king gets jealous tries to kill him chases him out of his country now he's out there living with the enemy living in caves three years people trying to kill him his reputation completely destroyed don't you know come on don't you know David he's like what the heck well just read the psalms you can title many of the psalms what the heck (laughs) but at the end of every psalm he just says what the heck for the whole psalm and then toward the end he goes but everybody say but God you are good you are true you are merciful you are faithful and then in one day bam he's the king of Israel you go through the whole Bible. You see example after example after example after example. When you're in the middle of it, you don't see good. You don't know how it could ever be good. But if you give God time and just trust Him, He loves you. He sees it all. He's not absent. He hasn't abandoned you. His plan is much larger than what we see. The biggest problem, though, for us... The worst thing you could do in the middle of the trial is to blame God for the evil. Because now you just disconnected yourself from your only hope. And now you're just out there with the devil. It was bad enough when you were with God, but now you rejected him by buying that lie and now you're separated from him. As I said last week, don't be Job's wife. Don't say to your husband or to your wife or to your best friend or whoever, when you see them going through hell, don't you dare come along with them and say, why don't you just curse God and get this over with? Just curse God and die. Worst wife ever. You don't want to blame God in the middle of it. You separate yourself from it. Job said, hey, even if God killed me, I'm still going to trust him. I know my Redeemer lives. And so let's go to the book of Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to once again, today I'm defending the reputation of God why i'm defending his reputation so you can hang on to your salvation and i don't mean just your eternal salvation for some it's your eternal salvation you you have not come to god for the first time you have not come to his son jesus because you're asking that question well if god is good then why That why is going to keep you separated from him forever. I mean forever and ever and ever. Because you won't come to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll have to pay the debt yourself. That's eternal separation from God. But some of you have already come to Jesus. And yet you get hit. You get betrayed. You lose your job. A loved one is suffering. And you keep taking these hits. And you start asking the question, why? Why? Why God? Why God? You're saved, but you're separated. You're saved, but you're distancing yourself. And that gap, last week I called it closing the gap. I might write a book called Close the Gap. That gap is the problem. That distance between you and your trust in God or your tie with Him. I don't understand this. I don't understand. I'm not going anywhere. You remember the time Jesus had thousands of people following Him? And then He preaches a sermon on cannibalism? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, which we're going to do in just a few minutes, you can't be a part of me. And it says the multitudes are like, what? The heck? I liked this guy up till now. But now he's talking about cannibalism. And Jesus said, Look, my my words are spirit and they are life. He was speaking metaphorically. But they took that literally because he wanted to preach a sermon to see who his true disciples were. Oh, come on, now I'm meddling. You see, as long as you get sermons that you like and make you feel comfortable, you'll stay in church you'll stay connected to God but as soon as you hear a message on like repentance turn from sin submit fully to God forgive that person who who hurt you it's like oh no I don't like that, no, I don't like to listen to that anymore so that's what Jesus did he's got this massive following, he preaches a hard message and they said we're out of here and then Jesus turns to his followers, his closest followers his disciples and says you want to go with him Because you see, Jesus isn't going to make anybody follow Him. That's not leadership. I mean, you can say you're a leader, but if nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. Jesus doesn't make us love Him. doesn't make us follow Him. It's always a free will offering. Your life, my life. So He turned to them and said, Alright, you guys leaving too? I've come to save the world, but I can't save anybody who doesn't want to be saved. And Peter said, I don't understand that sermon. It was really, really weird, and it makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) But, everybody say, but. Where are we gonna go? You have the words of eternal life. We don't have to understand everything, Jesus. We know who you are. We'll just trust you. Can I hear an amen? amen? Yeah. That's a true test of discipleship. When you don't like what God's doing and what God's not doing and you stay anyway, that's true discipleship. That's a true follower of Jesus Christ. And so in the book of Luke, in chapter 11, starting at verse 14 in the New Living Translation. Okay, now the reason I'm going to cover this and then I'm going to wrap it up in about 10-15 minutes. Give me about 15 minutes to do this and then we're going to, kids are going to come back in and we're all going to take communion together. The reason I want to hit on this again, this point today, the reason I want to read this passage is I want to talk to you once again about not buying the lie that God's at fault for your suffering and your tragedies and your hardships and, and the hurt, the hurtful things that you experience in life. I'm defending His reputation as saved to, to help you connect with your salvation, your daily salvation. Not your eternal salvation, your daily salvation. The thoughts in your mind, the closest to God, His comfort, His peace, His wisdom. You've got to have his wisdom every day to be able to get through that trial. And so we look at Luke chapter 11 and it says, One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. All right. Let's start with the man who was mute. He couldn't speak. In the natural, you got somebody who can't speak, somebody who's blind, somebody who's deaf somebody who's lame, somebody who their life has completely fallen apart, been divorced, betrayed, backstabbed, financial collapse, somebody you love is suffering sickness, disease, you're suffering, whatever it might be. That that man being mute is the representation of all that. He was born with a deformity. He can't talk. You and I and everybody else would say, why? Why did God create my dad without being able to talk? That's not right. My sister, my brother, my mother, my son, my daughter, my friend. Why God? That's where we would be. We do it all the time. Well, then Jesus, God in the flesh, comes along and casts the demon out, and the man could speak. Oh! Everybody just say, oh! You see how God gets the credit for the demonic activity of hurting, stealing, killing, destroying, maiming, abusing? They had no idea the guy had a demon. They just thought God created this man mute fallen world fallen world Jesus came along cast a demon out now you would think at that point they would say oh god good devil bad but no what happens the crowds there's three groups of people here the crowds were amazed that's the group you want to be in by the way the crowds were amazed They're like wow that was awesome And hopefully it'll draw them to salvation. The crowds were amazed, but some of them, everybody say some of them. Turn to the person and say, you don't want to be some of them. Go ahead. Turn to the person next say, You do not want to be some of them. Don't be some of them. You want to be in the crowd that was amazed. Because watch this. Some of them, it's craziness. Some of them said, no wonder he can cast out Demons. He's the son of God. Is that what they said? Mark Myers says, no, preacher, you got it wrong. I'm checking you. I've got my, I got my, I'm checking everything you said. <laughs> you know, they're going like this. No, 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 no. We got the scriptures up here. You guys following me up here? we In Luke chapter 11 and we're in verse uh, 11. But some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan. The prince of Demons. They will not allow Jesus to be good. They hate him. They don't want him to be the savior of the world. They don't want him to be who he says he is. There are people these days saying, and, and they're teaching us in colleges, that Jesus is just a myth. There are people actually believing this And preaching this, Jesus didn't even exist. It's all just a myth. Not just that he wasn't the Son of God, the Messiah, or the miracles weren't true. He didn't even exist. Which is bizarre because there were non-Christian theologians like Josephus who recorded his whole life. This is how far fallen human beings will go when they don't want God to be in the mix. When they don't want God to be in control. When they don't want Jesus to be the Savior of the world. They will constantly defame him lie about him. So they say, oh, well, thank you. And I love, I love what you got on today. That is awesome. Mickey and friends. Coming to church happy. I like it. No matter what God does, no matter how good He is, no matter how He manifests His goodness, there are going to be people who just refuse to believe Him. In fact, we go on to the next, and that might be you. And you got to make a decision. That you're going to let God be God, and you're going to take Him on His terms, not yours. You're believing the lies of the devil, and it's separating you from the Savior of the world. And then you got this third category others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He just did. <laughs> family of God, I know all of us believe that if our friends and family members who have not yet come to Christ would just see an undeniable miracle, they would believe and come to Christ. There was a guy that Jesus that said, hey, if you would just let me come back from this place I'm in, there's a parable Jesus told a guy who died and went to hell. If you would just let me go back to my brothers and they saw me, they would believe. Jesus said, no, they've got the Bible. If they don't believe the Bible, they're not gonna believe even if I, you came back from the dead. There are some people who just will not believe. There's a difference between, I'm trying to believe, but I'm battling unbelief. That's a different, in fact, there's two different Greek words for unbelief in the Bible. One is, I'm trying to believe. Like the guy said, I believe I believe, help my unbelief. That's all of us. God will work with you all day long if you're trying to believe, but you're struggling. But there's another kind of unbelief, like the, like the Israel who was in the desert for 40 years, and God showed them sign after wonder, after miracle, after sign, after provision, splitting the Red Sea, meat flying, falling out of the sky in the middle of the desert, you know, causing oases to appear out of nothing. I mean, and they just kept not believing. And the Greek word used there in the book of Hebrews is, they would not believe there are people who have already decided, I am not going to believe no matter how much evidence there is. And that's what was happening right here. He just cast the demon out of somebody, and the, and the guy who couldn't speak was speaking. And they said, prove, prove to us you're the son of God. Show us a sign from heaven. What are you going to do with that? So here's what Jesus does. Jesus' response really important. He knew their thoughts, so he said, any kingdom, he's going to teach them about spiritual warfare. He's going to teach them about how the whole thing works and doesn't work. All right, here we go. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Anybody know that to be true? Any family feuding will fall apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan, but if Satan is divided, fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive, you knuckleheads? A paraphrase. And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man, here he goes teaching now on spiritual warfare. Here we go. If you've been asking questions about strongholds in your life, mountains that haven't moved, bondages that haven't broken and you're questioning and you're frustrated, like me, we have to understand spiritual warfare. We have to understand that we are up against it. If we were not in a battle, on the battlefield, God would not have given us His armor. What's armor for? What is armor for? A shield, a sword, a helmet, shoes with spikes in them so you can stand your ground. What's armor for? war and it's such a supernatural war that God says your armor won't do your wisdom won't do your human strength won't do your ingenuity won't do what you think doesn't matter it won't work you're wrong anyway here take my armor dad says <laughs> yeah Woo, wow it's a supernatural sword look at that thing Poke the devil the devil goes ah! whoa the devil responds not to what I think, but to what God thinks. The Word of God. Remember Satan attacked Jesus in the desert three times. And Jesus could have turned him into a toad if he wanted to. Well, how did Jesus fight the enemy? Anybody know? That's right. What did he say every time? It is written. And Jesus, the Son of God, quoted scripture that Moses wrote. A man. or oh, the Bible's just written by man. Well, yeah, but guess what? It's also the Word of God. As Holy Spirit breathed words through a human being, if that were not so, then how could Jesus, God in the flesh, quote a scripture, the Word of God, at the chief uh, satanic rebel of the universe, of all of existence, and it struck him and hurt him? The Word of God in your mouth, empowered by the Holy Spirit is the most lethal weapon you have on the planet. That's why Satan attacks the Word of God. Did God say? First thing he did was try to separate Adam and Eve from the Word of God. That's why John says, you young people, you've overcome the devil because the Word of God abides in you. you got to be in the Word of God, family. got to be in the Bible, family of God. You're running out into the battlefield naked. You're going to get whooped up on. Jesus says, for when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. That is, he's saying Satan is the strong man, but a stronger comes, which is Jesus and the church, and we strip Satan of all his power and we take all his stuff, which would be people. Anyone? Oh, all right. So that was the lesson on spiritual warfare Jesus gave. He said, you guys are so way off base, I can't even believe it. Let me explain to you how this is all really going down. Satan can't be divided against Satan, just like a house can, just like a country can, as we're all experiencing that right now. You won't survive, you won't make it, you won't thrive. you got to be one, you got to be unified. So clearly Satan's about casting out Satan. I'm the kingdom of God, come upon you, the son of God. I cast out the devil, that's how this works. Now, let me explain something else to you. He goes on to say, and this is so doggone important. He says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept in an order. What does that mean? That means when somebody comes to Christ... They get, or they get the devil cast out of them, and they get set free from pornography or drug addiction or alcoholism or rebellion or you 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 uh, unforgiveness, you let that person go and the bitterness comes out, whatever kind of freedom you experience, if you don't then get filled with the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit of God fill up your house. And you come committed to Christ and you engage with God, you get into the Word of God, you get into church, right? You're 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 in the house of God, and you're filled with the Spirit of God. You just get set free, and then you just go off into your own thing, and you stay disconnected? The demon that possessed, oppressed, harassed, tormented, whatever was doing to you before, he comes back back to visit you to see what your condition is, and he doesn't see you filled with the Holy Spirit, doesn't see you connected to Christ, doesn't see you in spiritual community, you're off there all by yourself again, paying attention to your own thoughts and philosophies and what you think. Maybe you got back into that bad habit again. And you know what the demon does? Just Jesus talking. This, this isn't metaphorical. Jesus is explaining to us how it actually works. That demon goes against seven other demons that are worse than him. He says, hey, I'm throwing a house party. His name is Joe, Jack, Susie. Sissy, I don't know. I hope none of that's your names here today or online. That wasn't a word of knowledge. I'm just making up names. And they go, and that person's seven times worse. I've experienced that before. I've cast the devil out of someone, and then they didn't stay connected. And uh, they went, they, they closed back up, and they next time I saw him, he was way times worse than when I first ministered to him. I'm not saying this is scary, nor is Jesus. He's just saying this is a fact. This is serious. There is no neutrality in spiritual warfare. I'm going to say that again because you need to hear it. There is no neutrality in spiritual warfare. Listen to what Jesus says. We're coming in for a landing. Jesus says... going back up to verse 23, critical. And anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Spiritual warfare is happening. It's like, if you ever had your car stuck in the mud or in the snow? Anybody from the east coast? Midwest, snow, out here, mud, stuck in the mud, right? And you're, you know, you're dressed, it's all good. You're going, along, you're stuck in the mud. Like, what do you got to do? You're going to have to get out. You're going to have to get out, aren't you? You're going to have to get out. Dang it! You get in the mud, and you know you, what you're going to have to do is get behind the car, right? And one person's going to be in the driver's seat, and what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to step on the pedal when you say, and what's going to happen to you? Man, you're going to get trashed, man. It's a bummer. Now, okay, so you're back there, and you're getting ready to push in. What if there's a knucklehead friend that won't get out of the car? Anybody ever experienced that before? I have. Yeah, we experience that in church all the time. So there's only about 10% of the people doing all the work. Oh, now I'm meddling. Only 10% of the people tithing. Ah! Only 2% of the people sharing their faith and giving out the why Easter books. Oh, dang! Sitting in the car while everybody else is trying to push that car out, right? This is spiritual warfare. Jesus is trying to drive the church through this battlefield and there are people sitting in the car not participating or you're on the sidelines well uh, i don't know if i would do it like that those are the church consultants we'll call them <laughs> sitting on the sidelines nobody else is trying to push this Push harder. They're saying push harder. yeah they're saying push harder And some some people are mockers. Some people are antagonists against Christianity. They're in the front of the car pushing back on the church. Jesus said, if you are not with me, you're against me. Because there's no neutrality. You're either helping the kingdom of God move forward or you're helping it move backwards. And one of the ways that happens is when you are going through trials and you start to say God is not good and you disconnect and you badmouth the character of God and everybody who knows you hears it and sees it. And you influence them rather than the other way around. I'm here preaching on the goodness of God. God is good. All the time. time. Oh, come on, I was weak. God is good. All All the time. Yeah, that's my story. That's what I'm saying. When I'm out and people hear me, I go to volleyball games, I go to track meets, uh, my neighbors, I go anywhere and ever. we got Facebook. Everybody knows about it. Everyone wants to talk to me about what's going on in my family's life. And I appreciate the compassion. But I'll tell you what I'm sure I say to them before I walk away. God is good. God is faithful. He's going to see us through this. And we're going to be better than ever. I believe that. Don't let the devil use your mouth, the bad mouth God. You just keep saying God is good. Even if I don't understand it, God's good. It's going to work out. And I'll tell you, if nothing else, here's three things you can count on. If you stay in the fray and you let God work out his game plan, and we're going to take communion. Uh, closing with this. One, you're going to develop character. If you will stay in the fray, stay close to Jesus, stay consistent, you're going to develop something called character. And let me tell you something. Charisma, skill, talent will get you in the game, but character will keep you in the game. You'll be calm, settled, immovable. You'll bring peace and calm to everybody around you that's freaking out because you have developed character. You're able to stand still in the storm because you've developed strength on the inside and that will serve everybody around you. Secondly, you'll develop empathy. That's why there's moms groups because moms understand moms. Moms, hello, moms, any moms in here? Moms understand moms, dads are not invited to this group. Only moms are loud because we're going to cry. <laughs> we got pastors groups, senior pastors only. Why? Because senior pastors, man, we need to process our pain and cast vision. There's CEO groups just for CEOs because they understand each other. There's veterans groups, right? Men and women who have gone through war. They're the only ones that understand each other. It's called empathy. Much more powerful than sympathy. I feel sorry for what you're going through. Versus, oh, I feel you, man. Oh yeah. You don't even have to say anything. Been there. It's powerful. And The last thing is community. And this is the prophetic word I believe. When I wrote this down, I felt the Holy Spirit on this. Community. You know, the animal kingdom, you see that on television. Which gazelle do the lions look for and devour? The one that's alone. The weakest one. Or the one that has run away from the pack. Some of you have forsaken the assembly of yourself together. Some of you are isolated. Some of you have decided you don't need church. Or you say, well, I'll have church by myself. Oh, really? Is the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher... The deacons, the deaconesses, the elders, are they all there with you in your room, on the couch, out of the beach, up in the mountains, wherever you say you're having church? No, man, the church is people filled with gifts, spiritual gifts. We are a team and we need to stay together because when you are isolated, the devil is going to torment you. You need people speaking the truth to you, praying for you. You need to be praying for them. Let the Spirit of God flow through you. You help somebody else. You can't remain isolated or you will be defeated. You've got to stay in community. My wife and I and my family have experienced tremendous community going through our trial. I I did a wedding last night and uh, the father of the groom asked me how we're doing. and, And I said, you know, I'll tell you what. I am really enjoying the community that this trial is producing. I even said this. I'm kind of happy for the trial we're going through because the community is developing developing is incredible. The love, the care, the honesty, the transparency, the depth of relationships, all the amazing food that keeps coming to our house. Come on. How could you not love that? Last night we got lasagna and tres leches from Francisco and Maru, Oliveras. <laughs> we have food wars between the Deminx and another family that used to go to our church, but they don't anymore, but they still bring us food. You see, that's, that's a residual blessing right there. You got to stay in community, and that's what this is all about. So I want you to grab your communion because we're coming to Jesus. was so good to us by what he did on the cross which we're going to celebrate this Friday, which is Good Friday the day he died on the cross and then next Sunday Easter when Jesus rose from the dead okay, wait a minute, I'm going to let everybody figure this out this is mine, I'm just it there those online, just give us a minute because this is weird it's the first time I've used one of these. And so, how do you peel back? Oh, there we go. Voila, it's a miracle. Okay, everybody, if you're ready, just lift up your wafer so I know that we've, we got, what about the back row back there? Jen, is your family? Jen's still struggling. Everybody reach your hands out toward Jen and pray. Anybody else? Okay, you got your wafer, everybody got your wafers? I was talking to uh, a friend whose wife died recently, and uh, I asked him how he's doing with the goodness of God, and he said something that was just profound. He said, "I don't, I don't struggle with the goodness of God. I don't interpret God's goodness based on my definition of goodness because." You'll miss it, because sometimes God's doing something you don't see. He said, "But God settled His goodness for us when His Son died on the cross for our sins." Come on, Rick. Say Amen again, Rick. Come on, I know you want to, I know you want to brother. <laughs> Look, if the worst thing—the worst thing that can happen to you or I—is that we die, and then we go see Jesus. God settled the debate of His goodness when He allowed His Son to die on the cross for our sins. God is good. So Lord, in the face of this hardship, in the face of this broken, fallen world we live in, Your church declares that You are Good. And it's proven by this wafer that we hold in our hands right now. The body of your son, who is completely innocent, never sinned. But he died on the cross for every man, woman, boy, and child on earth. That ever was and ever will be. And we say thank you. Let's eat the body of Christ together. I want to say this again as we take communion. This is not just about you and Jesus. It's about you and Jesus and the person to the right and left of you. You can't call yourself a Christian and not be in fellowship. That's an oxymoron in scripture, in the New Testament. Jesus called you to his body. It's not just the wafer. It's not just Jesus himself. It's his body, the body of Christ. You belong in community. Get in the pack. Get in the middle of the pack. Let people on the edges get nipped on by the devil. You stay real close in the middle and just be protected. And there's not a sin you've committed that the blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse. Don't let guilt and shame cause a distance between you and God. The Father knows your sin. and hes That's why He poured the blood of His Son out of His body on that cross so you could come to Him and say, God, Father, forgive me. I did it again. I ask you to forgive me. And He says, by the blood of my Son, you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Let's drink the blood of Jesus together. Don't ever believe that God is bad, it's not his name, God is good, the devil's bad. Stay in the fray, stay connected to Jesus, to the word, to the body. And just wait, it's not over yet. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, right there where you are, just ask Him in right now. Come on. Turn your life over to Him. If you've never received Jesus here or there, I want you to just close your eyes and pray this prayer out loud right now. Because you need to close the gap between you and God. Just pray out loud if you've never received Jesus. right off your lips, just say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. And I receive you as my Savior right now. I turn my life over to you. I am yours. Amen. If you did that online, please make a comment so we can follow up with you. you did it here, we're going to have the prayer teams come up. just a minute you can tell them you give your life to christ we're gonna pray with you but for right now let's just all stand and one last time family of god let's declare that god is good